also i i need i need to know we have listeners guys so please please once in a while just drop a comment even if you want to um say bad things about chirag please go ahead and do it but please drop some comments so that i know you guys exist i i want to protest but i don't i yeah i don't know what just happened there i'm doing this for us <laughs> were harmed in the making of this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Two Vegans, episode number six. It has been a while, but thankfully I am joined by my co-host, Heetho. Hello there. Hello, Chirag. We are extremely sorry about being slack in recording our episodes. Uh, please forgive us. I'm not sure if you guys missed us at all, but if you did, then we're sorry. So we haven't been exactly regular with uh, with our release so we're going to try to get back on track with that. You know, uh, quite a few things happen in terms of just current affairs, world news that we both thought were um were interesting to discuss and so I think that's what we're going to try and do in this episode today. So I think we're going to open with uh with the news about San Francisco banning fur. Um so this happened towards the end of March. This is quite an interesting development because it makes uh makes San Francisco one of the largest cities now. in the US to do this uh following the likes of others in Europe based on the news again there was uh, quite an intense uh, lobby against uh, this decision and the argument that was made was you know the fur industry employs a lot of people and so um, you know a decision like this could impact their jobs and so as of now it's just fur though but uh, you know so it doesn't apply to to leather and other things uh, but at least it's um, that's that's the starting point San Francisco is one of the cities where people follow fashion quite religiously and I I don't quite understand when people come up with this excuse of the industry supporting people financially and people losing jobs like yeah I mean people who do child trafficking and prostitution and illegal prostitution also run their families by that but that doesn't necessarily make it right and you know maybe you can use those funds instead to put them rehabilitate them into jobs that aren't cruel or don't affect the society it's interesting but the same argument has been made elsewhere right so you can't target it that way exactly it has to be it has to be on the principle of the thing first right so if there if there is something where uh, on on the principle of the thing the thing itself is wrong and or like or, or people feel strongly about it and and they don't agree with it then that should be stopped right and then you move into the next phase and you say okay now that this has been stopped let's look at the consequences and let's try and you know imagine or determine or figure out uh what you know what 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 needs to be done to uh, to do this, to as you mentioned to rehabilitate them to find them in to find other industries to help create maybe a fake fur industry in san francisco because so there, there's going to be a demand right you have to you can help foster that industry right you can help uh, look at the, doing things like concessions to people that want to start fake fur uh, shops or whatever so there there are other ways to sort of re, you know help deal with uh what that is because when you make a when you make a ban like this there is it is going to result in the demand of something else right to compensate by the way west hollywood and berkeley uh which are also in california have already banned for so san francisco becomes like one of the bigger ones but then there's slightly smaller cities that have done it already and again and when it comes to legislation you know a lot of legislation is driven by politics politicians right when there is a very clear public mood for something like this it means that politicians will take notice right or your legislators will take notice that might be in surrounding states and other cities will say like okay you know if i were to introduce legislation like this i would get support for it while that sounds like a you know means to an end kind of thing but it's a good thing because it means that it will start appearing on people's agenda i think it brings a hope that um the legislations who were f- 
probably driven to pass out this legislation were driven by some pressure from the general public and uh, which kind of again gives me hope that people are now aware of where their fashion is coming from i mean i totally understand uh, in extreme climates when people have to wear fur i mean i i live in a desert so obviously i i've never worn fur or don't quite have the need to but i do understand in colder climates when people have to use protective clothing i'm glad that people do recognize that and force their respective legislations and governments and bring about a change absolutely speaking of uh, you know public mood and 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 stuff um the other interesting thing um that happened i think it it sort of touches on a larger point about celebrities in terms of helping yeah, helping shape some of that right so so beyonce um who who has some 100 and was it 112 million followers on on instagram which is a tremendous number right started a, a campaign of sorts right uh encouraging her followers to go vegan with her um so ahead of this event that was happening um and i i think something like that is so interesting right because suddenly you know everybody's going to stop and start looking at that and everybody's talking about it now and it's just kind of this very interesting almost mainstreaming of this conversation that you know i think would have been super hard even if you know people had paid to campaign well yeah it's 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 good to see that celebrities are also being more um careful about what they endorse they're realizing their social responsibility as well when you have that kind of power over people or that kind of an influence you you got to be more responsible about what you do and what you speak and i think when people or celebrities in general use this to their advantage i think it's great quite proud of uh, beyonce and i think other celebrities like kill me but maybe rihana need to learn a thing or two about <laughs> what needs to be endorsed in, in india as well i think peta in general has a lot of celebrities under their belt that do different kind of endorsements there's i think there are other celebrities as well that do a, a much more um you know they they've made it part of their conversation so i was listening to uh, ricky gervais who is a um, who's a comedian in case you didn't know and you know and and it's become part of his thing i mean he he went vegan i think about a year ago give or take uh, when he sort of and it's it, for me it was really interesting so i um he he made a comment in one of his um on one of his uh, stand up shows basically about it right um and and how he stands for it and stuff like that and it was a good it was a good message because he was using he was using his, you know his comedy platform uh you know but to also have that you know to sort of put that conversation out there uh, but that made me go back and look you know at at other stuff that where he's talked about it a little bit more and i and it was so interesting to to hear his story so basically his wife uh, does a lot of rescue uh work uh, in in the UK and they have this nice house with a yard and stuff and so they they try and you know foster these animals and or and essentially keep them and and try to nourish them and so on um and so she rescued these two um i, I think they're potbellied pigs um and then uh and so apparently they they come in so they have this little uh, whatever this one of these little pet beds that they, that they have in the in the house um so apparently they they play in the yard all the day or you know all day but then they come into the into the uh, they come into the house to sleep at night and he was like you know i was sitting there one morning having breakfast in my kitchen i was eating bacon and i'm watching the the pigs sleep in front of me and he was like i just you know i couldn't couldn't reconcile that right the fact that he was doing that and that's kind of what really triggered it for him or at least that or at least it was one of the triggers perhaps so i i mean i just found that story so interesting because i mean for a lot of us i think that's you know we all kind of get started that way somehow um especially the meat eaters i mean but like you know there's there's all it a lot of us start because we suddenly have that little click that connection that says oh you know what i'm doing is impacting um 
you know a life uh, most vegans that i've spoken to have had this connection i was never a meat eater i was always a vegetarian but i didn't see animals the way i see them today if it weren't for my dog so we we adopted a dog that was abandoned in one of the beaches in dubai and since she came in our lives my perspective towards animals completely changed you know they create a space in your heart that you never knew existed and the kind of unconditional love that animals give and i'm not only talking about dogs or cats so obviously uh, i know in the us people have pet chickens and pet pigs you know we have other people at the other end of the spectrum where uh, recently i heard about the story about a couple or a family adopting a pig pigs are uh, usually uh, adopted as pets especially in the us i think a lot of people are now moving on from dogs and cats and adopting uh, pet pigs which is great um they say that a pig has the intelligence of a 3 year old child they can do pretty much anything that you can train your dog to do uh, one of the families in canada had adopted a pet pig from the local uh, spca a week later they found out that they slaughtered the pig and ate it i can still probably try and understand people who just buy animals slaughter them to eat them but adopting them as a pet and then deciding that they want to kill them and eat them i just i just don't understand the mentality of people like imagine like how the rescuer would have felt at that point i mean i i do a lot of uh, rehoming and rescue and if i found out that somebody has taken a cat from me and slaughtered it to eat it oh my god it's just it's just disgusting like i wonder what would be going in that family's head to do that i, I just don't get it i just don't get it that's, that's not a very happy story obviously based on the, again based on the news reports and stuff like the the spca actually does go through uh some kind of screening process i think they they take uh, you know they try and figure out what what the intentions are to a large to some degree anyway and they even take i think assurances like written assurances from uh you know the people that are actually uh, getting the animals so so they are doing this stuff and yet uh you know this seems to have passed them by which was the concern i think uh, i saw a couple of comments uh, you know from the people at the spca saying that you know we'll have to figure out um, you know why is it that we didn't catch them during the screening and then how do we go about sort of you know uh, updating or whatever the screening process to to make sure that that, that this doesn't happen again so that that's obviously a, a concern like right there the other side of this also is the fact that you know despite these written assurances actually i don't it it doesn't seem as though um you know written assurances like this are really enforceable my limited understanding of how this works is that in in so this this happened in canada right and then in canada at least as of now and i think this is true in in a lot of countries right where the, like your pet is your quote unquote property and so what you do uh, with the pet is entirely up to you um which is which is i guess it is a different conversation perhaps for another day as to why why that's like that but that that's how it is the cruelty to animal laws that that would kick in but that would kick in provided that they could show that the animal suffered and so uh, i think somebody was making this sort of analogy that like yeah if you if they got a dog Uh, and shot it through the head i e it died instantly uh, there would be nothing no no charges could be applied because the they are acting as they wish with their property uh, and the animal did not suffer which i think is is kind of a weird loophole to exist i know it's going to take a very very long time to stop the differentiation between farm animals and pet animals but if you are using an animal as a pet or you're keeping an animal as a pet there has to be a better law it's nobody's property it's like adopting a child and doing whatever you want to do with them because they are your property no they wouldn't they wouldn't allow that obviously i don't blame the spca there's so much only a rescue organization can do you know we can do home visits we can make them sign contracts but if the law claims that the animal is your property once you have them and you've paid the 
adoption fee there's only little you can do you can keep asking the government to change things and laws but people need to start understanding the consequences of what they're doing you know it it's it's a long battle but it's in it's happening in the right direction in contrast to this news i also heard about a judge in a court i don't quite remember where it was but sentencing a lady she was booked for an offense of animal uh, cruelty or animal abuse she left her dog outside in extreme weather and the judge gave out a sentence of doing the same with her so they so he told her that you will be out in an extreme weather condition for a few hours just so that you know how it feels that sentence was not very well received by a lot of people but it was also very well received by a lot of people and i think that's great you know giving out sentences like that would kind of open their mind and their eyes rather than putting them in prison for a couple of days where they show no remorse you know so laws need to change we're still we're still working on laws that were made hundreds of years ago Yeah so I think this is um, I was trying to look it up quickly like the the one you were talking about I think it was in the US uh this happened in Ohio judge Mike Sicionetti I think I mean there's an article you know on him I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes um uh, where he's he's called the judge that gives creative punishments and so that the one you were talking about like so she subjected her dog to living in in filth and so her sentence was to spend a day in the dump herself in a in a landfill it is interesting so i'm going to quote apparently what he said at the hearing he said i want you to go down to the country dump to the landfill and i want them to find the stinkiest smelliest god awful odor place they can find in that dump and i want you to sit there for 8 hours tomorrow to think about what you did to that dog while you smell that odor if you puke you puke i mean how awesome is this person <laughs> i love him so while we're on this story anyway like so then apparently there's another one where uh Yeah this is the, I think this is the one that you kind of I guess you kind of mixed up the two stories but so the other the other case in which she had and 35 kittens and the sentence was that she had to spend a night alone in the snow Yeah I think I mixed the two but concept is like make them do what they've done to the animals and then I think that's when it will resonate more with them that okay this is wrong you know if this is how you feel that's how the animal would have felt Yeah that's an interesting uh, <laughs> it's an interesting take So another animal related news I guess um Salman Khan Bollywood superstar if we can call him that was sentenced a couple of days ago for the killing of a black buck it's an endangered species by the way again there's another conversation to be had here about like the delays in sentencing because it took 20 years for this thing to come about again it's the same thing right it's about the limelight it gets because it's attached to a celebrity um and then again you know it's someone like Salman Khan who has this tremendous and very very passionate following actually um in India and and around the world as well so he's out on bail already that's kind of where it is now so i i i mean you know it's a, it's a really funny thing because like so obviously this thing happened 20 years ago right and um i i saw an interesting comment somebody who said the lifespan of a, of the black buck is about 10 to 15 years and so after this incident you know black bucks have not only been born but those black bucks have also died right and then now he's getting a sentence it's like that right like multiple life spans and it, it's just interesting to me that like you know that's that's something that puts the whole thing in a little bit of perspective what i was actually amazed at was some of the um response or some of the people that came out in support of salman khan in the sense of when i say support i mean obviously i don't nobody is um nobody has okayed the you know the actual killing but um supportive in the sense of like well you know he's done a lot of humanitarian work maybe he should not have been sentenced that that was like a really weird conversation for me and i'm just thinking like you know 
contrast that against anybody else, right? Like pre-sentencing again, mind you, like, so someone commits a crime and I don't even say, I'm not even saying murder, by the way, someone commits a crime of any kind. Um, and in the time after committing the crime and before his sentencing uh, goes out and donates to charity or goes out and starts, I don't know, helping people, like whatever it is. Like, does that suddenly, like, I, I, don't, I don't even know why this is a conversation. What is the point here? The sentencing is based on the crime that was committed and if there was evidence to prove that the crime was committed. And that's the end of that story. It doesn't matter what you became after that. And And to me... Honestly, like, and the way I, and this is just my personal opinion with this situation, the way I feel is, you know, for 20 years, he lived a, a regular life. He, he went out, he made movies, he made tons of movies, had tons of money and all this other stuff that has also happened that allowed him to leave this life because he wasn't convicted, right? And so 20 years later, if he's going to get convicted for something, like, for me, I would start looking at it and be like, why isn't this, why isn't there a harsher sentence? But instead, I'm having to, like, <laughs> listen to people tell me why, or well, listen to people say that, like, well, he's done some humanitarian work, so maybe he should have been let go. Yeah, just to give just to give a perspective to our listeners who uh, who don't live in India or uh, don't know much about the uh, the stuff that happens in India. For starters, in the Indian judiciary system is extremely slow. I think lately we've started improving that a bit, but we still have a long way to go, and there are, maybe you could you could probably put it down to our population and the number of cases that we have in the country and the limited number of courts and judges. And at the same time, uh, India's fascination with Bollywood, where people actually worship Bollywood stars so much that they end up building temples and mosques and religious places of uh, uh, under their name. And the emotions are huge and Indians in general are extremely emotional people. So this particular guy called Salman Khan, 20 years ago, as Chirag said, had... Uh, gone out hunting for an animal called the black buck which is an endangered species in India. It happened in a state called Rajasthan. Uh, there's a community over there called the Bishnoi community who is extremely passionate about preserving the species and they treat them like their own children. If you go online and look them up you will find that they actually do a lot of um, campaigns and programs to take care of them and ensure that they uh, there is no harm that comes their way. And when this guy went over there with other couple of other Bollywood stars, they were shooting for a movie over there. And in their break time, just for some entertainment, they decided that they need they want to shoot some animals. The Bishnoi community came out in abundance and became witnesses of this shooting. And they all uh, went to the court against it. But obviously, the guy has a lot of influence. And finally, now that he was convicted, definitely justice justice delayed is justice denied right so it was as if it wasn't bad enough the indian public came out uh, trying to defend him but one thing that i'd like to point out that he actually started doing this humanitarian work when he was accused of all these crimes it's it's shameful that celebrities are worshipped so much that people cannot see beyond their stardom he has so much support right now that there is so much pressure on the legislation which shouldn't be the case but unfortunately it is and people are coming up with excuses like oh but it was only an animal but oh 50 uh sorry five years is such a harsh punishment and oh it was 20 years ago and look at the guy and what all work he's done and the amazing movies he's given us and i'm just like no i mean you know, just imagine if it wasn't a black buck and if he shot a human, you wouldn't be saying all these things. How does the intensity of a crime reduce if the punishment is uh, doled out 20 years later? Please do not glorify him. I think it used to be said or it was, you know, that's how... Um popular commentary used to, commentary used to be back in the day which was like oh, well you know if a celebrity 
who is in such public eye and stuff commits something like this, like the, the fall should be greater than it should be for a regular person. And and over here you have a situation where actually it's the exact opposite, where he's getting all of this support and people are, are making sure. But if let's assume that it was a regular average person, right, that actually did this and committed this crime. I could make the argument, although it would be anecdotal, but I could make the argument that, you know, he potentially he may have been sentenced much quicker. But also, it wouldn't have mattered what humanitarian work he did because I think he would have been sentenced and, and thrown in and nobody would be standing there. Did you hear about that um, dog that was placed in the overhead bin in the United Airlines and died? Uh, yeah, so, you know, um, for, okay, but like, I mean, just to provide some context, so uh, it was a United Airlines flight, um, passenger had a dog with her. And uh, so it seems that the the cabin crew or whatever asked her to put the dog in the overhead compartment uh, because it was, I don't know, getting in the way or something like that. Um, Again, based on news reports, the woman uh, protested and said, no, she wouldn't do that. She didn't want to put the dog up there. But it it does seem, uh, I don't don't know uh, what stage of the flight this was and so on and so on, but I think it was before takeoff. But but basically the the crew went out and the dog was actually put in the overhead bin and then died in the in during the flight. Um, it's it's bizarre in its own way. I think it, it does raise a lot of questions. Um, United Airlines uh, did come out making a statement saying that, oh, you know, we don't have any such policy and that shouldn't have happened and, you know, and so on and so forth. Um, there was some clamor to some pass some legislation quickly to make sure that no animals should be put in over a bin. And I think United Airlines, regardless, has, I mean, did make that clarification that, you know, not only is it not part of their policy, but they will they will also make it clear that it's, uh, you know, animals should not should not be put in the overhead bins. Uh, I mean, and this ties in a little bit also to, um, you know, some of the other stuff that, you know, I've come across o- over time where, uh, you know, people that fly with, with their pets and stuff. I think uh, the way the rules are especially... Again, this is in the U.S. and so on, but the way the rules are um, is that, you know, unless it's a, it's like a seeing eye dog or an emotional support animal or something like that, um, you know, the animals have to be restrained. They have to be put in cages. And generally, I mean, it's under the seat um, and stuff. So it's, it's not exactly like good conditions. Yes, it, it does raise a lot of questions to me. I mean, uh, I, I don't understand. I'm not entirely clear how a situation like this plays itself out. I mean, I know we as passengers generally do have to defer to what the crew says, right? I mean, they, they are the quote-unquote the enforcers of, of things in terms of uh, regulations within within a flight um, but it's just it is a little bit bizarre to me that you know even if there was one person that uh, that insisted that they do this it's surprising to me that like this you know that they've i'm assuming the rest of the crew was in agreement or something which this is this part is nice you know it's a bit weird yeah i think united airlines should be banned from transporting humans and animals maybe they should just turn into a cargo airplane or something seriously that's like you said this is so bizarre i mean i know a lot of airlines allow animals in cabins they usually allow small animals or whatever never heard of this rule of animals need to be in the overhead bin like i i just don't get it you allow people to keep their bags under the seat but not animals i mean what were they thinking? It's it's really sad. Again, not coming from a judgmental place, but I feel like the owner should have put his or her foot down and not agreed to it, or at least checked on the animal every five ten minutes. Not not that I am I know if he or she did or not, but I would refuse to accept that condition from the crew. 
like do whatever you want you want me to uh, leave the airplane i would but then that's just me right i mean like i said there's always um, two sides to a story and i think it's disgusting that an animal had to lose a life regardless of whose fault it was at the end of the day i mean we see the i see this happen you know, all the time right when we fly um, especially when you're flying to india and stuff like because of um, uh because of luggage sizes right like the handbag sizes and stuff you, you know the, i'm noticing this a lot more recently i think that like they start to screen um just before you before you board um you know if your hand luggage is is too large or too heavy or something like that and they kind of i don't want to say confiscate it but they kind of take it away and then you get it back either when you're leaving the flight or or it's or it's sent to you like on the on as part of uh, you know whatever your baggage collection and i know the number of fights that happen there right because there are a lot of people that insist that hey, okay i've got either because i've got valuables or and if not sometimes it's just like no it's my bag i want to keep it with me um this is you know my my hand carry or my carry on luggage or whatever but they don't win that argument and i know that right like they don't necessarily win that argument i've seen this happen on flights too but now because of the screening it happens just before um, I, i've seen enough tussles between the cabin crew and the passenger eventually leading to in every case the the cabin crew either taking the bag and saying i will store it somewhere and i will find a place for it it's fine but i cannot leave it with you um or the passenger eventually relenting and saying fine i'm going to you know shove it here or, or put it up there or something like that so i can kind of see the situation i mean again it's super unfortunate but i can kind of see a situation where like you know even if i even if you were in that position trying to fight it but yeah it's just, uh, i don't know like it's just it's just so weird that yeah it was completely unnecessary there was something i read where it was like oh you know well it's not established that the crew knew that and i'm like yeah but you know no pet owner is going to carry a pet and when told i'm going to put this up or in the overhead bin would not have responded by saying no sorry i i can't have that because there's an animal in the thing right like so i don't think that 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 doesn't seem as plausible to me i do i do feel like there's something something's weird about this situation this is not to say by the way that animals don't die in during transportation they do um but i'm you know this is specifically in this case where you know it does seem as though like the animals the animal has died primarily because it was it was shoved in the overhead bin like this yeah you'd wish that common sense were more common in the world recently there was a woman who attacked the youtube headquarters in the us and shot three people i think two were women and one was a man and then she killed herself i mean obviously we all condemn every and any terrorism attack around the world and it's just sad that people had to lose lives just because somebody was mentally unstable she claimed that youtube had filtered her content so that they had to pay her less revenue due to their political gains or due to their business gains or whatever her accusation was against youtube but definitely does not um justify what she did and it never will and that just brings me to the fact that she obviously wasn't stable and she was mentally disturbed and that's what led her on to do this but what saddens me most is the media saying that she was vegan and you know just focusing on that aspect of it and giving a bad name to vegans around the world and this is the same media that would get pissed off if you said that a terrorist was muslim or a christian I mean why do you have to label somebody who is a criminal just don't do that and I was reading this article by NBC News uh, and I hope that they take note of this or change their editors or whatever they have mentioned after the article where they've reported what happened her name was Naseem Agdam and she, they've written Agdam was an Iranian born refugee who had lived in California since her late teens an extremist vegan she was obsessive about animal rights 
her social media accounts show. On her website, she claimed that YouTube was discriminating against her videos, which included bizarre musical parodies and workout videos. I mean, why did they have to take away from the loss of lives in the shooting incident and make this about a person being vegan? I just don't get it. Kind of takes away the the gist of the entire situation it kind of takes away the fact that probably they should have reported how people need to seek mental help when they are disturbed like from where i see it she just needed help she needed psychological help and her family should have noticed this about her and they should have done something about it um they say that she went missing a couple of days ago and the father reported to the police and said that you know please find her until because she may do something wrong and instead of ignoring all of these major aspects as to what would have driven her to do this they focused on her being vegan and whatever the fuck means an extremist vegan and she was obsessive about animals right i i don't get this like why is this important so i think that there's uh, there, there is this sort of debate that is already beginning around all of this stuff so you know a couple of weeks ago um i was on i was on with these guys they're they're running a live show now called inside veganism right and and the topic that we were kind of trying to address about that um was it was it was kind of talking about the mainstreaming of of this movement that's been going on over the last couple of years in a way uh but then sort of extending that to also like you know other other things that um that are happening in the movement that requires some introspection right are are we getting hardlined about certain things or and and you know to some extent there's an increase in the in in the hardlining that we're starting to see now right where it's like you know this vegan non vegan like oh you know or and then and what's worse even internally we're like i'm a better vegan than you are or you're not really vegan if you're not doing this and this and this which are my criteria for why it is and it isn't and so there is sort of this this sort of um tussle starting to show there there's a sort of thing that's simmering and it's it's the good thing of course is that it's leading to some conversation uh so to extend that now what's happening as well i think from a media perspective of people who don't fully necessarily understand um you know the cause of this because you know the mainstreaming of this is is a recent thing right i mean despite the fact that like veganism as such or or being vegan is something that has existed for a long time um what we're starting to see is this sort of awakening and the and the sort of mainstreaming of this movement which is which is much more recent and so naturally there is going to be some introspection that has to be done right uh people will make mistakes and we have to figure out uh you know what's the right way to to ensure that you know the goal that we are the goal that we might have fundamentally is about the animal cruelty is is sort of handled and is handled well is handled properly because it's it's about that it isn't about you know uh taking down somebody because they're you know they're they're eating meat or something like that right it, that's not what that's about um and so i think for people that don't understand that this this is kind of like a lovely hook to to talk about um you know it's kind of this thing to say look you know we've been saying all along like all you vegans are 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 like hardliners right all you vegans you hate us right um you know they <laughs> i'm i i know this doesn't tie in just directly but so you know a few days ago on my feed somebody posted this quote by a chef and i'm not going to take any names right now but uh you know by the chef who said something along the lines of um you know uh, there was a there was a really extremist label that was thrown on on the whole thing but the point anyway that 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 this chef was making was that you know vegans and vegetarians like are against everything humans and human rights stands for or something like that um you know what was puzzling to me in to some extent was okay well you've got a chef who i'm assuming anyway likes uh 
if they like their meat or whatever, that's fine. Um, you've you've had this chef make this kind of a statement. So then you have someone who who has actually shared this, right? And then there were a couple of comments, um, you know, sort of applauding the statement. Finding it hilarious was find, finding it hilarious is one thing, but then it was more like, oh my god, I so agree with you, right? Like hashtag true this or something like that. Um, and that, that's, that was, you know, and the, and it was like, oh, wait a minute. Um, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, that's h- how, right? And and so that, I think, is what is making that sort of look at it as a, um, you know, we, we talked about it on the show as well, right? Like, I've definitely, I you know, we've heard from people who be like, yeah, you know, I want to do this. But like, people look weirdly at vegans. And so I'm not so sure if I can, I want to take that on, you know? And so I think that that's where that hook is. So it's like, you know, when, when, I remember when this news initially came out and there was a lot of outpouring over this fact that like, oh my God, like this is actually happening at YouTube. Uh, but then when, when sort of the story started unfolding a day or a couple of days later, and that's when like this was like, okay, what really happened? Okay, this woman had a YouTube channel. She was upset with them. And then like, why? It's like, oh, she used to post about animal rights and like YouTube used to censor that supposedly. And therefore like, you know, look at that, like her passion for, an- and that's how the conversation is starting to get framed. Like, oh, it's because her passion for animals was so strong and YouTube was censoring that, like she decided to take it out on YouTube with guns. And I'm like, no, that's not, what- I don't think that that's what happened. A wrong kind of outlet, of course, right? Like, I mean, even if we assume everything that, that she alleges was true, right? Like that YouTube intentionally did it. And I don't know why YouTube would target one person like that, but okay. Uh, but let's, even if that were true, like obviously taking a gun out and shooting three people is not the answer to, to handling that, right? Uh, but but it's kind of, you know, it, it gives this opportunity to wave this under like a, like a rug and be like, oh, well, you know, it, she came from that mindset. That's why all this happened. Well, I guess, I guess that's it. Like these are some of the main topics that we wanted to cover, but I figured like, we mainly covered all the sad news, which had to be covered anyway. People need to know about it. But some of the good things that have happened in the vegan world lately is, well, McDonald's has released a vegan burger. So yay for junk food vegans and oh, nay for healthy vegans like Chirag. Oh, don't. You, did, you went there. So they've obviously only expanded this in Finland, I think, Norway or Sweden, two Nordic countries. But I'm hoping that they would pan soon to the US and then go to Europe and then come to UAE and... Hopefully, my kids will be able to taste it. Do you want kids now? Adopted ones. Oh, you're adopting kids? I will. We need to have a conversation offline, dude. I'm all about adoption. You don't have to justify it to this on the podcast. No, I'm justifying this to you because you're judging me for adopting kids and giving them a good life. Like, what the f***? Do you know how many animals are out there that are suffering that you're focusing your energy on kids? There are enough people who will adopt kids. You know this I already. love what you just did there. This totally has to be on the podcast. It's a you know, lesson 101. In what what aboutery? Secondly, closer to home, um, you know, uh, there's this one Saudi prince who is vegan and uh, he believes that the future is uh, veganism. He's recently announced that he's starting a fish-free aquarium. He's kind of like collaborated with uh, National Geographic and he's going to start this um, state-of-the-art animal-free aquarium in 10 regions in the Middle East by 2019. Obviously, it'll focus on animals in the sea life, but it's all going to be 3D and digitally created. I mean, how awesome is that, right? I had not heard this news before so i was trying to figure out like what an animal free aquarium would have meant and i thought maybe he was going to like you know showcase the fauna and stuff yeah 
Yeah, but it's, it's all going to be digitally created. No more excuses for parents who take their children for education to zoos and aquariums and say that there is no other way my child will see animals. Um, because, you know, showing a child caged animals is the best way to educate them. Wow, you really wanted to sneak that in there, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Moving on. Um, egg company reports loss of 74 million dollars due to vegan alternatives yay i hate it when people lose money but this is like the best news ever i i have a question when you say against um egg alternatives dude what are these egg alternatives man like we we essentially know of one yet if they're losing 78 million dollars in business like where what are all the others no no you know you know one because that's actual egg that's probably Your scrambled egg, but egg-free mayo, egg-free... Okay, let me let me read it out to you. The CEO, Adolphus Baker, attributed the dramatic decline to the growth of the egg alternatives industry, which includes vegan-friendly items such as flax, tofu, and prepared products that contain potato starch and tapioca, right? So it's all the vegan alternatives that are used in ah, baking, in desserts, that, um, and other things. So yeah. some of the good things that are happening in the vegan world yeah so i think that's that's all the news we have that we wanted to talk about today um i think we should do this more often actually it was kind of interesting to talk about the events that are happening in the vegan world i guess um if you guys have any news that maybe you guys want to want us to talk about or want to just highlight to us you know feel free to reach out you can drop us a comment um Yeah, message us on Facebook. You can also reach us on Instagram. It's the.2.vegans. So, as always, you can find the show in any podcast player of your choice. Just look up the2vegans. And uh and yeah, that's all. That's it from us for this episode and, you know, we'll try to be more regular. Mm-hmm.